Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. Which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, you sound like you're feeling under the weather. It's not a great day, but we'll get through it. I feel like the more times a scarf is around your neck, the, the thicker you're I feeling. Did. I thought it was going to make my throat feel better if I wrapped a <laughs> scarf around it. This <laughs> is like, the, Alyssa has a scarf wrapped around her neck like five times. I do, and I'm so hot. <laughs> <laughs> so hot. This week, we are joined by Betsy West, Julie Cohen, Michaela Watkins, and Megan Gailey to tackle the following questions. How did music help Gabby Giffords on her road to recovery? What happens when America's slimiest congressman fucks with Gen Z? Who gets cheated on and who cheats? And what's going on at the University of Michigan? All this and more right now. All right, Alyssa, you know, we're going to do something that we have been doing these last few weeks, and it just feels good, right? We're going to start the news. On a high note. On a high note. Um, So take a listen to this. Good afternoon. During the keynote speaker's address at University of Michigan Medicine's white coat ceremony, dozens of med students let their actions do the talking. A mass walkout from the auditorium in protest of speaker Dr. Kristen Collier's anti-abortion views. What you just heard was from a University of Michigan medical student walkout of their white coat ceremony to protest the speaker, which was an anti-abortion speaker. This happened on Sunday night at the University of Michigan Med School. White coat ceremony, if you're familiar, is a huge deal for mm-hmm. for for newly minted doctors, um, newly or about to be minted doctors. Incoming medical students uh, recited their oaths, received their white coats, and then walked right out. Uh, the keynote speaker was Dr. Kristen Collier. Collier? I don't know. Whatever. Like, she can't bother with my rights. I can't bother with her name. 100%. Uh, she is a University of Michigan faculty member and a primary care physician who is uh, very open about being anti-abortion. And um, 
yeah, they they walked out of this extremely important moment that many of them had been working their entire lives for. And my God, the future looks bright with these doctors. It does look bright, but what is going on at the University of Michigan this week? I don't know. Jesus. The worst of the Big Ten, can we just say? Ooh, that's spicy people. You know what? Mm-hmm. University of Michigan is a great school. Yes. It's such a good school. Not this week. Well, no, no. It's such a good school. I, I know a lot of people who went there and they're like, oh, super brilliant and cool. Um, don't love their football team because, you know, obviously. Obviously. Um, but yeah, it is uh, It is weird that it has become this little kind of embarrassing nexus. Yeah. Avoidable. Avoidable yeah. and avoidable embarrassment this week. Somebody from the University of Michigan do something cool ASAP. Yeah. Besides these these white coat uh, ceremony doctors. They were awesome. They did do something cool. And they shouldn't have had to. It was their moment. And that's how they had to use their moment. They shouldn't have had to. But I'm really, I, I really am. It, it is a really cool moment to watch them protest. It kind of reminded me of how I felt when University of Notre Dame students walked out on Mike Pence at their commencement. Yes, and that lovely woman, Paxton, who used her graduation speech to talk about women's rights to Mm -hmm. abortion last uh, commencement season. Mm -hmm. In in Texas. In Texas. Brave, brave, brave. Um, Also, we did have another bright note that we wanted to talk about. There is a certain congressman from the state of Florida who is, is really... Every time he opens his mouth, I'm like, do you really want to keep flying this close to the sun? Vying for America's worst congressman. Yeah. And one of Congress's dumbest motherfuckers. Yes. Uh, Matt Gates. It's it's a tight competition, by the way. He's been keeping the lead. Yeah. Consistently in the top 10 stupidest motherfuckers in Congress. Um, he made some really, I'm not even going to get into it, but no. he made some really, really mean-spirited and shitty comments about a 19-year-old. He really needs to stay away from teens altogether. Just entirely. Um, The 19 year old is a woman named Olivia Juliana. And rather than just, you know, taking his shame and uh, attempted shaming and abuse, she jujitsued that. She did. Into raising money for her group, Gen Z for Change. And she has raised, how much is it now? $168,000 so Off of Matt Gates running his mouth about her looks. She's raised $168,000. Okay, so here is something that I really think that people who are older millennials and Gen Xers need to understand about Gen Z. And I'm only saying this as an interested observer. I love like generational dynamics. You cannot hurt Gen Z. They have been on Instagram since they were like eight. They rise up every time. They, They have been hurt in every possible way. They have been exposed to everything possible. And they are now, you cannot hurt them by insulting them. Uh, They're terrifying. Uh, One of our producers is a member of Gen Z. And (laughs) I'm going to just say they are a bit a little scary. Yeah. In an incredible way. An incredible way. So Gen Z, you can't hurt them. You cannot hurt them. Um, And so don't try because what they're going to do is take the dumb shit that you say and raise money off of the thing that you stand against. So, you know, Matt Gates, thank you for helping raise $168,000. So much money. Uh, for Gen Z for change. And uh, I doubt that he will learn his lesson. But, um, you know, 
Maybe maybe if he doesn't, more money will be raised. Yes, and follow Olivia Juliana on Twitter and social media because she is incredible. <laughs> yeah, she's you cannot hurt her. You she's, cannot hurt her. And she is not scared. She is 100% not scared. And I just, I want Olivia Juliana to not come after me because <laughs> she she would absolutely defeat me. Um, okay, uh, now let's get into some stuff that's a little bit less uplifting. Um, so this is something that came up this week in our, in our hysteria chat. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted you to talk about this, Alyssa, because it seems like something that that has really kind of like been, we've talked about this a little, but this is something that's kind of been stuck in your craw. So Roe v. Wade being overturned looks as though it now may galvanize people to safeguard gay marriage. And I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yes. So this week, the House called for its vote on the Respect for Marriage Act, and 47 Republicans voted yes. This would safeguard interracial marriages and same-sex marriage. Now, let me be clear. That's fucking great. That is good. I am happy about that. But it does make you stop for a minute and be like, why does everyone hate women so much? Why does everybody hate people who can get pregnant so much? Republican, like, what do they even believe in? Like, either you mm-hmm. hate people or you believe people have rights. Do you know what I mean? They're really parsing the fact that women and people who can get pregnant shouldn't have rights to live the lives that they want to live. That's mm-hmm. what that says to me. And it mm-hmm. felt very specific and very targeted, even though, like I said, I'm very glad that it is safeguarding the rights of people to marry who they want. That is wonderful. And and we can't live in a world where that doesn't exist. But women and uh, having autonomy over their bodies should also fucking be a no-brainer, in my opinion. I think that you are right. And you're kind of, you're talking about something that, that has made me a little bit uncomfortable about this conversation too, because it feels like a deliberate attempt to create a schism. Yes. And that schism, what Republicans are counting on is that there will be enough people who care about LGBTQ marriage equality, but do not care about reproductive justice. Mm -hmm. And once gay marriage is codified, I want to believe that those people will, will also say like, but wait a minute, you know, what about women? What about reproductive justice? What about people who can get pregnant? You know, but I also know that as a political strategy, it is effective because there are people who care about safeguarding gay marriage, but not about bodily autonomy and reproductive justice. And that is so, it's such a bummer. It's a bummer. And the thing that is so uh, upsetting about it is that if any of these people who have voted against abortion needed to get an abortion for someone they were close to, they would know how to do it. They are just Mm -hmm. robbing it from the people who do not have that level of access and privilege. And so that's also why I think it's just so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really, ugh. this This whole country, it feels, is kind of limping into its twilight. Uh, and, it's, and it's running on schisms. It's running on these like breaks between people who are willing to fight against one type of injustice, but not all types of injustice. Right. And uh, I feel like, you know, when it comes to fighting injustice, it's like you got to be all in or you're not really 
in it against injustice at all. Like, right. and, and it, I mean, it's, this is, this is very, I mean, what we're talking about is intersectionality that is encompassing of sexual identification and marriage equality and reproductive justice. And like, it's a, it's a type of political intersectionality that um, I feel as though people who care about reproductive justice also care about marriage equality, mm-hmm. but people who care about marriage equality don't necessarily care about reproductive justice. Right. And that sucks. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, masks. They're back. They are back. Did you throw yours away? No, I've still got mine. Yeah. I still have a couple packages of the little KN95s. I ordered some new ones today. You can get them in cool colors and like. I uh, ordered pink. <laughs> we have different colors, and I had I had found a pink package of them. They're they're, they're you know peppy. If you gotta wear a mask, uh, um, yeah, masks are back here in Los Angeles. The talk is that on Friday, because we're in a high transmission zone, uh, indoor mask mandates will probably be back. the The Beverly Hills City Council just said that they're not going to enforce a mask <laughs> mandate, which whatever. I've been wearing a mask just because um, I have an infant. Right. <laughs> and uh, she has her vaccine, but I don't want her to get sick and I don't want to get sick and I don't mm-hmm. want my husband to get sick. And, um, you know, I, I just, I've been wearing one inside. It's not that huge of a deal. We went to a comedy show the other week and it was fully masked. Like the mm-hmm. the comedian, the comedian that we saw, Tim Heidecker was not masked. Um, who, by the way, is amazing, <laughs> hilarious. Um, Tim was not masked and his uh, band was not masked and, but all the audience wasn't, it was fine. It was like, right. you know, all things being equal, I would have kind of, I would have preferred to not have to wear a mask, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Wearing a mask is not comfortable and it's not awesome, but it's also not the end of the fucking world. <laughs> yeah. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but it is a bummer that we're backsliding uh, in terms of transmission. I just wonder how 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 many times are we just going to do this forever? Or? I mean, I don't know, girl. It's just it's so so much, and this is only the middle of the summer. You know what happens when it gets cold out again? Mm-hmm. Although there's a part of me that thinks maybe in places where it's really hot, people are gathering indoors more in the summer, and so that's kind of becoming a little bit more of a like. Oh, that's interesting. A mini cold, cold and flu season. Right. It's a hundred degrees in Portland this week. Portland. It was, was hundred and two here last weekend. That's so hot. Too hot. It should not be hotter outside than it is inside your body. But to your point, that is a very good point because I was inside almost the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's dangerous times out there. Um, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, an interview with two filmmakers so who exciting. have made a film out of one of, have you ever seen Gabby Giffords? I have. Like I saw her lead the Pledge of Allegiance at an Emily's List event of She's several amazing. years back. She's incredible. So the two people we talked to this week made a film about Gabby Giffords and you're going to want to see the movie. You're going to want to hear our interview with them. Stick around. We'll be right back. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria. Alyssa, have you ever watched a preview for a film and cried during the preview? Yes. Same. 
<laughs> Same. Uh, and speaking of, these guests that we have today are behind the latest preview that has made me cry. And this isn't something I do like all the time. No, this is not your MO. No, crying during movie previews, not my MO. Crying during Coco, Disney's Coco, absolutely Fair. my MO. But a preview. This is a movie that the preview got me. Okay, super excited to welcome our guest today. These Oscar-nominated documentary filmmakers have made films about iconic subjects like Julia Child, RBG, Polly Murray, and now Gabby Giffords. Their latest doc, Gabby Giffords Won't Back Down, dives into the ex-Congresswoman's life and career from her rise as a future star of the Democratic Party to the tragic mass shooting that nearly took her life to her miraculous recovery and dedication to activism. Betsy West and Julie Cohen, welcome to Hysteria. Thank you. Great to be here. It's so good to see you, Betsy. I'm going to start with you. How did this film come to be? Where did the idea come from? And how did it go from idea to execution? And what was it like getting to know Gabby's story over the process of making the film? Well, getting to know her story was pretty amazing. And I just want to say, I hope you guys weren't totally crying because it's a super sad story. It's, you know, it's an amazing comeback story and a love story. And we kind of um, really took to Gabby Giffords immediately when we were introduced to her a couple of years ago by a producer uh, who had been, who had met uh, Gabby and her husband, Mark Kelly, and thought, wow, they'd make a great documentary. So this producer, kind of Lisa Erspommer, reached out to us out of the blue and said, would you like to have a Zoom call uh, with Gabby Giffords? And this was at the beginning of the pandemic. So we weren't really that used to having meeting people on Zoom. We were like, how's this going to work? As we had heard that Gabby had aphasia, you know, the the, the language uh, disability. And we thought, How how's this going to work? But um, I would say that within about 30 seconds of this Zoom call, Julie and I were completely convinced uh, that this was an extraordinary person and an amazing communicator and that we should really be telling her story. Yeah. So Gabby, like uh, the Zoom call starts and she takes her foot and lifts it up to the camera of the Zoom to let us see that she's wearing RBG socks. Um, <laughs> and it only got better from there, uh, frankly, like, you know, a story that we had gone into worrying about the sadness, like we, what we weren't expecting was the lightness, the humor and the music because Gabby loves to sing and did it a lot. So our film is a, uh, yes, there's a lot of tragedy, but it's also kind of a romance, a comedy and a musical. Julie, keying off what you just said, how did you guys approach such a vulnerable story? What care did you take to make sure everyone involved wasn't simply reliving trauma? Yeah, you know, it's a it's a really good question. We didn't want to make the filmmaking a traumatic process for our subjects, for our audience, or for ourselves, even though obviously this is a story that sort of is born from, you know, the pretty horrible trauma of uh, Gabby having survived a mass shooting. Um and our I think our main technique that way was really just to connect with Gabby as a person. First, we actually didn't get into talking about the, you know, horrible events of January 2011 with her or with her husband or family members until we were 
way more than halfway through the filming process. Mm. Like, uh, we, we, we did months of filming with them in their life now that was all about kind of the verite doc stuff before we even sort of got into the subject. By, by the time that we talked to, to this couple about the more, the most painful story of their lives, we had known them and were honestly kind of friends with them for, you know, close to a year at that point. Yeah. And, and just to jump in, I mean, this is something that they've obviously dealt with. Uh, and, and you know, it was kind of amazing to see their attitude about the about the shooting. Gabby doesn't really remember it. She knows the consequences full well. But certainly this was the worst day of Mark Kelly's life. But, you know, he told the story in a very straightforward way. We also made the decision in the film to not lead with that. I mean, this was not, this was not our opening gambit. I mean, the film is about Gabby Gifford's extraordinary comeback. And, you know, Mark Kelly had videotaped a lot of Gabby's recovery in the hospital from the early days. And we made, and that's an extraordinary look into what it takes to recover from this kind of an injury to the brain. And we made the decision to lead with that and to to deal with the shooting a, a little bit later on in the film. Hmm. So Betsy, you uh, you mentioned that it's sort of also a romance, um, and you know in RBG there's a romance in that movie as well. It seems like your subjects all have very supportive partners. What was it like? I know when I was watching my screener, I would like pause and go like hug my husband because I was like, oh, <laughs> you're so great. Um, what was it like watching Gabby and Mark interact? Yeah, I mean, you're sensing a theme here. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, the cool thing is that we were seeing them in person and following them and looking at this extraordinary marriage in action, which is full of a lot of love, a lot of dedication, and a lot of humor. They just have a good time with each other. They tease each other. It's it's fun to be with them. I think that's true of any couple that is, you know, a good couple and has a good marriage. It's just like other people like being around them, and we certainly enjoyed that. Um, you know, Mark Kelly uh, just supported his wife from the very beginning, from the moment that it became obvious that she was going to survive this horrific shooting, he took on the role of caretaker, setting the rules and making sure that Gabby had the best opportunity to recover. And, you know, a lot of, not a lot of men uh, take on the caregiver role. In fact, he actually left his high power job as an astronaut uh, about, you know, five or six months after Gabby's accident in order to dedicate himself, because I think he had such faith that Gabby was a fighter and was going to push through and was going to make it. Um, but that's a beautiful story. And then we love the fact that the tables turned again and that, you know, Gabby has wound up supporting Mark as he has gone into politics in a way, you know, taken her place. And she is his biggest advisor in in how to have a political career. So this is a pretty this is a marriage of equals that's really beautiful to to behold. Julie, uh, during shooting, very tragic but not surprising. There was so much gun violence that happened while you were making the movie and as it's been released. How did you all react to that? And has making the doc influenced your hope for meaningful gun legislation? 
Well, I mean, first of all, I have to say that unfortunately in this country, nothing that unfolded during the time that we were filming or the time of the release of the film in terms of like sort of horrific episodes of gun violence, particularly, you know, gun violence continues in this country on a daily basis. The mass shootings that are kind of the modern day equivalent to what Gabby went through. Um, that's something that happens in this country. So there was, there was no two year period that was going to go with, with making and releasing this film where that wasn't going to happen. We knew it was going to happen. I think we maybe braced ourselves for a post traumatic reaction from Gabby that was often not exactly what we saw. Um, I mean, I, I, I will say, you know, the, the, the most notable reactions from Gabby have to do with incidences, you know, like so many of us where children are involved, um, where you could just feel her pain, not only as someone who survived something like this herself, but also as someone who's fighting for change and has been frustrated when things don't change. Like, I think it maybe hits pretty hard when a new episode happens and you're like, you know, you have the sort of Oscar Schindler, like I could have done more uh, reaction, even though this is a person who's doing so much. Um, you know, I think, look, I mean, this, this was issue for us as filmmakers, but like more, we're citizens of this country. So like, it's not like we wouldn't have been upset when, you know, particularly some of the horrible things that have unfolded over the past couple, uh, you know, couple months in, in Uvalde, Texas and Buffalo, like, you know, I don't think it was because we were working on this film that, that, that those things felt so horrible. Mm-hmm. So, um, I want to pivot to something a little bit more upbeat. Betsy, uh, the musical aspect of this <laughs> film. So Gabby loves singing. Can you explain a little bit about the role of music in her recovery and the way that she communicates? Yeah. Um, well, Gabby is a very musical person. She's someone who was in all of the high school musicals and she sang, you know, the sun will come out in Annie. And, um, you know, so we start with that as a baseline that here's a person who loves music. And it turns out that for all of us, uh, music plays a very interesting role in the brain. Uh, Gabby was shot in the language uh, center, which is in one specific part of your brain in the left hemisphere. And uh, music resides in many different places across both hemispheres of the brain. And that is why uh, speech pathologists use music as a way to help people who have aphasia, who have, you know, the, the problems that, that Gabby was suffering from to access language. And, you know, from the very beginning, when Gabby could not really talk at all, she was starting to sing. She could barely say, you know, my name is Gabby. She could sing. My name is Gabby. That's one of the earliest things. And then she started singing some of her favorite songs. Uh, you know, one of the scenes that we love that Mark captured very early on is she, there she is with her speech pathologist and another nurse, and they're singing, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. <laughs> and you see that, that it's much easier for her to sing than to, um, you know, speak an entire sentence with uh, subject and articles and verbs, which is more complicated. But singing is something that she really can do. She loves to do and has been and it will continue to be an ongoing part of both her recovery and just her 
her life. You know, she just loves to do it. And we sang with her a lot mm-hmm. also in the course of making this film, though you don't actually see or hear us mm-hmm. singing in the <laughs> film. It's mainly Gabby. <laughs> so if there was if there was like a, a compilation album called Now That's What I Call Gabby Giffords, like what are <laughs> what are some some songs in addition to Girls Just Want to Have Fun that would be on it? Okay. Well, actually, there is now a Spotify playlist of uh, Gabby Giffords' favorite tunes <laughs> inspired by the movie and her team. So people can look that up. But yes, girls just want to have fun. We were actually thrilled. It was just a couple days ago when Cindy Lauper tweeted out that she had seen that clip and how mm. how thrilled she was to feel her music having that role in someone's life. Okay, so we've got um, we've got the title song for our film, Won't Back Down, from uh, of Tom Petty. Uh, Gabby loves uh, John Denver's Country Roads and can sing every verse, every chorus, and the bridge. Um, Gabby also uh, loves all Beatles songs. I'm trying to think of if she has that in, in the, if we have that so much in the yeah. film. We have uh, the song by the Box Tops, The Letter, which she sort of randomly comes up with when her speech pathologist is trying to think of some oldies tunes to kind of uh, lighten the mood. And the, the one that really meant the most to Betsy and I as sort of our filming experience was when we were in uh, Gabby's garage as she's getting ready for a ride on her recumbent bike, which takes a bit of doing between her and a nurse to get all, you know, sort of strapped in appropriately because the right half of her body is partially paralyzed still from from the brain injury. And um, while she's going through that whole process, she goes for the 80s on 8 uh, channel of, <laughs> of Sirius XM and then starts singing U2's Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, like with so much passion and such a lovely, tuneful voice that it was really... A moving moment, I think, for us both. Oh my goodness, that that's amazing. Um, okay, so really quick before I take too much more of your time, what is something that Gabby taught you both, and what's next for the Julie and Betsy power duo? <laughs> what did Gabby teach us? You know, I think that it's very hard to whine about your petty little problems when you spend time hanging out with Gabby Giffords. I mean, this is a person who by all rights should be able to whine or or complain or maybe even feel a little bitter, but she just doesn't. She really moves forward. She has a wonderful, upbeat approach to life. And I hope that a little bit of that rubbed off on me. Yeah, I mean, I just say she's such a reminder of the power and importance of nonverbal communication. You often hear that, The majority, I mean, I've heard people say 90% of communication is nonverbal, never really understood what that meant until you spend time with Gabby, who knows how to communicate such big feelings with only a few words sometimes, but like between eye contact and gestures and touch and like hugs galore, like can just convey so deeply what she's feeling and connect with you that like, it's pretty, uh... It's, it's a pretty good reminder just about how we should be communicating with our whole self to people. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have any shortlisted next subjects? You know, we are looking into a few possibilities, uh, not surprisingly, involving groundbreaking women, but we're not quite ready to talk about what we might be doing. Mm-hmm. Well, when you decide what you're going to do, you know, you're welcome back here anytime. <laughs> and I look forward to everything that you two do together. Thank you so much for your work. Thanks for making this film. 
And thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast, no dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito, (laughs) not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount, text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast that started with an ironic title about overreacting (laughs) that has really aged into its name uh, because we should have maybe called it Cassandra, as we have joked about before. Um, Alyssa, I'm really excited about this topic today because it's something that I am fascinated by. Me too. It's like emotional voyeurism. Mm. Like I'm fascinated by hearing about it. I'm fascinated by like analyzing it and then thinking about the way that I think about it. Are you on TikTok? I'm not on TikTok. I just watch yours. I just just watch watch the ones you repost. The TikToks that I send you sometimes that are usually like cats doing mischief. Cats and babies. Cats and babies. But I'm also in a part of TikTok sometimes where it's like cheating TikTok where it's like how I discovered my partner was cheating. There's a cheating TikTok? It's like people talking about the ways that they discovered that their partners were cheating. Oh, I've actually seen some of those. There was a very viral one a few months ago. Right, right. And, you know, there was a story recently of a very famous and beautiful person who uh, allegedly got cheated on. 
And my first thought was like, oh my gosh, if even she gets cheated on. And then I was like, wait a minute, why, why do I think that being perfect enough inoculates you from being cheated on? So then I was like, we have to talk about this because I saw that reaction among a lot of people. So really excited about this group. We have to talk about the topic of who gets cheated on today. Um, A lot has happened to our rights and our lives in the two months since this actress and comedian has been on the pod, but luckily she's here to fix it all. Uh, Michaela, welcome back. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Don't worry, guys. I'm back. Everything's going to be fine. (laughs) We're... I'm here to just make sure that it's all going to be by the end of this, uh, of your time tuning in, that everything will be back in order. All our rights will be restored. Oh, wow. Everybody just relax. Kick your feet up (laughs) while we solve everything. So you are playing a witch in your new show. (laughs) I wish I was. Ooh, those are goals. I'm going to speak that into the the ether. I want to play a witch for sure. That's such a fun one. You would be an incredible witch. (laughs) (laughs) And rounding out our crew today, our starting four, not starting five, starting four, uh, Megan Gailey. You can listen to her podcast, Megan Fun of Sports. Megan, Megan. What? What incredible (laughs) title for a podcast. Megan Fun of Sports. It's on the Extra Points Podcast Network uh, our nemesis, it says in this no, copy that the producer- absolutely not. <laughs> Megan Gailey, welcome back to Hysteria. Thank you. It's like you know when there's a a girls' camp and a boys' camp. I think um, the extra points crew. That's probably like the boys' camp across the lake. So not your nemesis, who you maybe like hook up with. Oh, okay. Okay. So <laughs> what are you in this analogy? Are you the boys? No, I'm the tennis instructor that goes back and forth. I'm like, oh, I'm on girl's side today. No, I'm on boy's side today, you know. (laughs) I feel like you could play that role in the movie where Michaela is somehow the camp witch. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Awesome. Okay, so I'm really excited to talk about this topic. So the reason that we're talking about it, Emily Ratajkowski, beautiful model slash actor and a pretty good essayist, actually. Like the stuff she's written, she's pretty smart. Influencer, her marriage broke up and there was speculation in gossip columns that she had been cheated on. Uh, Social media response to that, which which, like if that happened, that really sucks. I don't want to like trivialize this person's life. She seems like a really nice person. But social media response was like, if she gets cheated on, nobody's got any hope. And I really want to unpack that. So, um, Michaela, I'm going to start with you. What was your reaction to the story of her possibly getting cheated on? And do you find that you have the reaction when you find that like there's a beautiful celebrity who got cheated on? No. What do you think? Absolutely not. Everybody gets cheated on regardless of how beautiful you are. I can't remember who said this. I don't even know if it was a famous person or like one of my asshole friends in college, but like, (laughs) show me a beautiful woman and I'll show you a guy who's tired of fucking her. Like, that's what that stupid, dumb saying was. But it doesn't matter. Like, cheating is not about the quality of the person that you're with. It's your own headspace. I'm convinced of that. Having been cheated on and having been a cheater, I've been Megan's tennis instructor. I've played both sides. (laughs) And 
The only difference is, I remember I said to my husband one time, like, when we were playing What If, you know, where you create terrible scenarios <laughs> that you just sort of <laughs> deep dive in. And you're like, what if, like, you met someone who was just, like, saving the world and they were just this most altruistic, cool person and you met them on your travels and they were just gorgeous and they looked hot in a bathing suit, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, what if, you know? And my husband kept saying, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I go, but you don't know. You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen when you go to Uganda and Congo and your, you know, heart is open and your mind is blown and, you know, all these new horizons. You don't know. And he says, I do know. And I said, why? And he goes, because to cheat, the door has to be open and my door isn't open. And that's, I thought, was like, he just nailed it, you know, because every single time I have to say that I'd been cheated on or that I was like cheating, I was always looking over someone's shoulder for a better party mm. or they were looking over mine, you know? Mm. And and right now, thank God I'm in this like boring heteronormative <laughs> relationship, <laughs> monogamous relationship of our choosing where neither of us are looking over each other's shoulders, you know, or over our own. Mm -hmm. And so we're neither paranoid and jealous, nor are we like looking for a better party. That's not to say that I don't, you know, go work with somebody. Somebody writes an incredible storyline for me that I like as a boy. I mean, I was a boy crazy bitch when I was Mm -hmm. young. Mm -hmm. I just, I mean, I, not even young. When I was in my late 30s, 40s, like, I fucking love, I love romance is what I love. I love intrigue. I love, I love taboo, like, we shouldn't be doing this. I love all that stuff. And getting married doesn't necessarily mean you completely change your personality. So it lays dormant. And it's not to say that, you know, somebody hasn't written a storyline that I could get a little, like, worked up and lost in. But that door is not open. It's not a room I'm ever going into, you know. Mm-hmm. And if that door were cracked, you know, that would require so much communication between my partner and I. So, no, it doesn't surprise me that even she, it's anybody who's got the door open, you know, mm-hmm. anybody. And that's on her partner, not on her. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, Michaela, that's like the most evolved yes, and mat- mm-hmm. mature take. And I'm like, Megan, I wonder if you are in the same place or if you had a a reaction that was like more like mine where I was like, oh my God, even if you're perfect looking, you get cheated on. I love that you're like, let's go to Megan for the immature take. Um, (laughs) You know, yeah, I I mean, Beyonce got cheated on. Okay, so it's like, if if that's possible, I, I do believe a lot of what Michaela is saying and and wish that that was the first place that my brain went to. This is really top of mind for me. Producer Caroline and I went to see the chicks last night and mm. their entire last album was inspired by Natalie Maines, lead singer, her husband cheating on her. And like she fucking hates him <laughs> and their son is in the band playing like my dad is a piece of shit you know and so it's like oh my god this is like but you go not only can someone beautiful be cheated on someone that can like burn my life down can be che- like I think of right. Natalie Maines as a prolific songwriter and it's like you're gonna cheat on her like you gotta be an 
idiot. Like, I think the thing that keeps my husband from cheating is not the door being open, is him knowing that I will drag his ass on every stage in America. (laughs) And so he's like, I got to keep it in line. So it's like, maybe some of it is fear-based of like, oh yeah, this person will ruin my life. But I hear what Michaela's saying. And there's also so many variations on relationships now. You know, like there is what I assume the four of us are in, which is just like, well, it's you and me. And then there's also like, let's open it up. And Mm -hmm. then there's also don't ask, don't tell, which used to be for the military, but is I think now for having sex when you meet people on business trips in hotels. So (laughs) there's so many, and like people have open relationships and still find ways to violate the confines of of that. Like I've heard of people that are like, okay, we're open, but we're not going to have sex with either of our friends, which feels like a very respectful and like responsible way to do it. And then they're like, well, nope, you fucked my friend. So it's like, (laughs) we find ways to even mess up the new wave of relationships that it does make you be like, "Uh uh-oh, am I doomed? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really an important point. Like, we're all hetero monogamous. Listen, I've pitched it, but shut up. <laughs> I mean, it it does seem like che- when we say cheating, I think that, it, yes, it's important to note that we're talking about people violating the rules of a relationship. And people that I know that I've been in an open relationship before and there were rules. There were so yeah. many rules. Like, there are different I mean, in a monogamous relationship, the rules are are pretty simple. And because monogamy is so like baked into people's expectations for better or worse of what relationships are, the rules are pretty much understood, I think, mm-hmm. by most people. Um, but like with any form of non-monogamy or polyamory, it is like so many rules. And you're right, Megan, people figure out ways to break those too. Um, Alyssa, I wonder, have you ever been cheated on? Oh God. Yes. Every single time. No. (laughs) Every, if I listed off my boyfriends that I had before I met my husband, every single one (gasps) of them cheated on me. No. Every single one. Did you blame yourself when it happened? No, no. See, because luckily here's the thing is that I was really socialized during the era of Princess Di. And I was like, Mm. if he can cheat on her with Camilla, of all people, (laughs) like, I shouldn't feel bad about Julie from Iowa. You know what I mean? Like, that was that was sort of. But it was still, look, it doesn't, even though I didn't blame myself, it still sends you into that spiral. Do you want to know how dumb one of my boyfriends was? This was in the very, very beginning of uh, Blackberries. Uh, and Michaela, you may remember this, but you used to have to <laughs> empty your BlackBerry on the website. You used to have no. to delete all your emails because it would fill up your actual BlackBerry. So he gave me his password to empty his inbox and he traveled. This was this was on a campaign in the early 2000s. Ooh. And I was like, who is this as I scrolled down and read every single one. And then, because I didn't want to be accused of reading emails, I stewed for weeks until Uh I found another way to bust it up. And he came when I finally did. He was like, what happens on the road is none of your business. And I was like, and at first I was like, okay. And then I was like, no. Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. What does that even mean? 
And so, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was the worst one because that was a very long-term relationship. But no, I always knew, though. I always sussed it out. I was never embarrassed. I always figured it out before it became like a public spectacle or anything like that. Yeah, you guys. And my husband now, what a great guy. I joke that we got together later in life, so we're both too tired to cheat. (laughs) I mean, that, that might be part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. He's the best. You'd be so sad if you heard you know I said that. I did stay in relationships way too long because I just like being in relationships, but I, I didn't. And sometimes it sounds so, this sounds really jacked up. And I wonder if any of our listeners are going to relate, but sometimes I would fantasize that I would catch them cheating so I could have a reason to break up. Uh-huh. So you could have mm-hmm. your catharsis. So you could get mad about it. So I could have my catharsis and get mad. Yeah. And then I'm like, no, but I'll feel like such a loser because like I said, I've been both. For your self-esteem, it's better to be the cheater than the one who's cheated on. But I think for recovery, it's better to be cheated on because like then mm. you have somewhere to go. Then you can overcome. Then Ooh, Stella can yeah. get her groove back. Yeah. But if you're the cheater, you just feel like you're a horrible piece of shit and you don't deserve Do nice they things. though? Do they? I mean, I did. I felt like I was a terrible person. But I remember hearing Cheryl Strayed when she used to write the Dear Sugar Vice column about cheating. Um, She said, well, she didn't write it about cheating. But I remember this one line in one of the letters that she wrote. She said, wanting to leave is reason enough. And I always was like, wanting to leave is reason enough. I don't have to vilify them and I don't have to fall in love with somebody else. Like mm-hmm. just wanting to leave is reason enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that brings up like that there's different reasons. Like sometimes people cheat to get out. Like it's like, oh, I, I don't have the tools to communicate that I want to break up. And so I'll cheat. And that's a, that's a way out. Um, and, and then I think there is a relief sometimes in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, that's interesting. I mean, Megan, I wonder, have you ever been cheated on? Honestly, like not that I know of, but I had a lot of different relationships where I was like, we are together. And they were like, we are not. Um, <laughs> but I did have someone, probably my first love, be like, listen, I'm gonna cheat on you. And I was like, it's fine. I'll take half of you in. And it really fucked me up for a long time. Yeah. The old breadcrumbs relationship. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Like Michaela, I've been on both sides of that situation. I think that some of the cheating was a product of immaturity and a need for validation that I hadn't figured out a positive way to channel that or to seek it. I just put it all in looking for validation from men rather than being like, wait, could I just like, you know, try to write something cool or like start a cool project. Like I knew how to get male attention. And so that was like an easy, quick fix for me getting like validation. Um, And yeah, I, I wonder, Michaela, what kind of person do you think cheats? Like, is there a profile um, or is there like a specific emotional state that people are in when they do that? It's really interesting because to me, cheating would be the biggest barn burner in a relationship. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how to come back because cheating is really about betrayal. It's about somebody making me look foolish because if I'm walking around pumping this person up to all my loved ones and they're 
lying to me and going behind my back, that kind of betrayal just feels, I I would just feel foolish, you know, Mm -hmm. on a public level. Secondly, trust is such a unique window. And when you're in it with somebody, it's like, don't ruin that for me. You know, it's such a sacred place. And so don't kill that. And I think that for somebody to cheat, there has to be an inherent level of either disrespect for themselves or disrespect for their partner. Because mm-hmm. I don't think necessarily liking somebody outside of your relationship is cheating on its own. I think it's the betrayal part that's cheating. Mm-hmm. For example, I have a friend and they're so happily married. I love them so much. I love their <laughs> marriage so much. It's like marriage goals and I don't understand it. They've been married since their 20s. and They just came into the world understanding what a healthy relationship looks like. Whereas I like had so many shitty relationships before I, you know, landed in my marriage. And then one day, like, she just realized she was queer, you know? And Mm -hmm. she's like, am I cheating by falling in love with this woman? Or am I queer and I never realized that about myself? Or does it not matter because I fell in love with this man? So who cares if I'm queer? I just happen to love this man. And I watched her go through this whole metamorphosis change. But she did it so communicatively with her husband, that now they're in a throuple, you know? And it's like the most conscious- A success story. Amazing, yeah. But see, you know what I think about that, Michaela? Yeah. She was not a lazy person. Yeah. She put a lot Mm. of work into, this is where I'm at. This is what I see. Talking to Mm -hmm. her husband about it, talking to her partner. Like, Mm -hmm. that's why I think people who like just cheat, cheat are kind of just like lazy. If you think your relationship sucks, you should just tell them. But I did date a chronic cheater, like someone who cheated in his marriage, you know, over many years and then cheated on me. And then I don't know, probably went on to cheat on other people. Was just like an inherent dishonest liar who was really had a huge hole that they were constantly trying to fill and trying to fill it with other people and not with themselves. Never, ever, like you said, Alyssa, never doing the work, never, ever doing the work. And so when I think of like, who's a cheater, I think it's people like who probably have a lot of, you know, a lot of like introspection to do on themselves. That's yeah. what I would say. And probably a lot of their own insecurities. Mm-hmm. That they're like, I need multiple people to fulfill me. Yes. I always joke that like when people get divorced and remarried, their second marriage is always someone they knew from high school. And I think <laughs> it's so like social media based of like, I got divorced. Who's on Facebook? Click, click, click. And then they like <laughs> reconnect with people. But it's like, that's its own, you know, we've been, I think we've been talking mostly about physical cheating, but it's like there's that whole whole emotional cheating Mm -hmm. that technology has just busted wide open. Mm -hmm. Um, And like people, you know, having burner accounts just to communicate with other people and and they have no intention of ever doing anything sexual. Mm -hmm. I mean, A-Rod cheated on J-Lo through having FaceTime sex with this reality star that I watch. I don't know if he was doing more than that, but that was like what ended up being public. And you're right, Michaela, embarrassing J-Lo. And you're not going to fucking embarrass J-Lo unless you're the damn (laughs) piece of shit Academy Awards that owe her a damn nomination. So it's like that was FaceTime sex. There was Mm -hmm. actual, but that's a betrayal too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, the the social media thing is so interesting. Did you ever read Three Women? 
Yes. Mm-mm-mm. Okay. The graphic, graphic book. Um, but one of the stories in there is about somebody who reconnected with an old flame on oh, yeah. Facebook. They're yeah. like a small town person in a really unhappy marriage, married to this person who's a big jerk and reconnected with someone on Facebook. I really feel like Facebook is like a cheating machine. It is. For, for people who like married like their high school girlfriend or who married like when they were 23 and they just are bored and looking for something else. It's like they're trying to claw back some part of themselves that they feel like they're having wanderlust for their yeah. former high school version of themselves. People yeah. are also posting their deepest inner thoughts on there. So it's like, huh. They seem like they're unhappy. Maybe I'll slide into those DMs. <laughs> I mean, it's the damn cheesecake factory menu of of people. <laughs> Equally bad for you as everything on the cheesecake factory menu. Anybody in our family who's like, did you hear about cousin yeah. so-and-so? It's because their ex met somebody on Facebook. Yeah. Interesting. At what point is cheating a deal breaker because it's like kind of a spectrum, right? There's like being dishonest about who you're communicating with, which is like a form of dishonesty. Is it cheating? I don't know. But how are you communicating? Is it sex? You know, is that cheating? Like at what point does something go from being just kind of dishonesty or sliminess to cheating? And at what point does the cheating become something that a relationship can't survive? I mean, I'm like, if my feelings are hurt, I got cheated on. (laughs) I'm kind of with Megan. <laughs> Even if it was just like, you didn't empty the dishwasher. You cheated on me. I'm upset. Um, no, but, it's, but I think like it, the, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder of this. Like, it's like, if you feel that you were cheated on, then, and I'm not even saying you can't come back from that. I think we've seen examples of, of cheating happen and relationships come back from it. And it's like, damn, you went to hell and back. And that is like, perhaps true, true, true love. Um, But yeah, I think if you feel like you got cheated on, then it's cheating. Mm, Interesting. It's like what that Supreme Court ruling on hardcore pornography, like I'll know it when when you see it. Know it when you see it. Uh, Alyssa, how about you? What do you you think? I think it's what Megan said. I think if I feel cheated on, then that's my mind's not going to change, right? If it's like, if I were to see text messages that were too, too familiar or, I mean, God forbid anything else. But like in terms of like not catching someone in the physical act, I think if you see it and you're like, I feel betrayed. I think to me, to me, the cheating spectrum, having lived through it so many times, it's much shorter than it is long. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. here it is. This is maybe acceptable. But, you know, from other than that, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I've spent a lot of my life trying to be the cool girlfriend who wasn't going to be jealous and wasn't going to freak out and was fully getting cheated on Uh. and being gaslit. So I agree with these women. I think it's like if it doesn't pass the sniff test, you got to listen to that. If somebody is getting something intimate in your partner Mm. that that feels like it should really be reserved for your relationship, that feels cheatyful. Or at least that feels very dangerous. Like I would almost argue that a relationship would have a harder time coming back from an emotional affair than a physical Mm -hmm. one. I agree. Although Mm -hmm. a physical one is such a boundary breaker um, because you really had, that's like choices were really made. Whereas you could end up in an emotional affair without necessarily realizing it, just thinking you have this really good butt. 
mm-hmm. you know, that you can share so much with. But if that person is in any way checked out from you and you don't have their full whole self in the relationship and there's a part of them that is somehow reserved for someone outside of your relationship. And I don't mean because, look, I do that all the time. Like you have writing partners that you're just like sharing things that, you know, maybe you don't share with other people. It's just like that. That's a different thing. You you know where the boundaries are. But if it's romantic where you start to like sort of fantasize potentially being with that person, to me, that's cheating. Like, uh-huh. like that's that's it, you know. Um, I don't even mean entertaining it in like a fun way. Like, you know, I love British people. And every time I meet one, I'm like, what if I was married to a British? You know? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't mean that. I just mean like if you're genuinely like, could I do this? It's like gone too far and you better pull it back now or you're past the point of return, I think. Well, Hmm. don't you think, too, it's whether or not you're hiding that relationship from your partner? Mm. You know what I mean? Like I have I have wonderful male friends, some of whom Mm. I would have I would consider my best friends, especially back when I lived in D.C. And it was like. My husband knew about it. He knew them. Like, it was not a thing. It was like, mm-hmm. I didn't go in a different room when I was on the phone. You know, it was just like, there was nothing mm-hmm. about it that seemed shady, I guess mm-hmm. is my point. <laughs> you know, I, I remember that there were like, <laughs> I was in a relationship once, there are certain positions I'm not interested in doing. And I was like, <laughs> go pay somebody for that. Like, I genuinely was like, go for it. I Like, that to me won't be cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so bringing it back to the celebrity cheating story and the way that we kind of talk, remember when Sandra Bullock got cheated on after she won her Oscar? Yeah. Yeah. Did she get cheated on by the motorcycle man? Yeah, by the motorcycle man. No, no. I think that this is a almost like goldfish memory moment in our culture where like there is this kind of implicit acknowledgement that if it is a hetero couple and the man Mm -hmm. cheats on the woman somehow it was like the woman did not keep him interested or like the woman, it was like, there isn't like in the way that it's covered in the way that it's discussed that. Right. She prioritized her career over him and he felt, you know, Mm -hmm. lost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Because it's her job to keep Mm -hmm. him interested. Right. Not his job to remain faithful to the relationship. It's like, he's just a, a wild you know, six month old puppy on a leash <laughs> that needs to be like trained and, and handled by the woman. And it's sort of like her. I mean, I'm not saying that this is what I believe, but it's something that seems like baked in to the way that we talk about it, that somehow she did something. Mm-hmm. I was talking about this with somebody and I'm not going to name them because I don't want them to be embarrassed by this. But um, I brought this up to somebody and they were like, Maybe Emily Ratajkowski's like really annoying. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, he married her in the first place. So it's like, right. It's not like, oh my God, I discovered a character flaw. I must go cheat. It's like, yeah, you loved that person. There's lots of really, I'm really annoying. CJ loves me, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I also don't keep him interested and he's still not allowed to cheat. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I absolutely do not think that like the question of whether or not a female partner is annoying should be <laughs> should be something that is discussed in like why no if you think your partner is annoying 
Then divorce them yeah. and get separated. Don't cheat on them. Go That's to couples just therapy. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just lazy. But a lot of people don't realize how annoying their partner is until mm-hmm. they find someone who's seemingly flawless. And, and I think that I am guilty of that. I think for a long time, even justifying being the other woman, I have done that because I assume that if this this man didn't want wanted to cheat on this woman, that there was probably something inherently crazy or weird or annoying or, you know, unlovable about them potentially, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not proud of this fact. I was fired in the kiln of the patriarchy. So <laughs> I fully bought into this idea that... Um, you know, that Sandra Bullock must be a cold bitch at home. No, I'm kidding. I'm I'm joking. I never thought that about Sandra. But I I did think like that men, like you said, were these rogue ponies that needed to be broken (laughs) in. And, you know, when she's going to date a motorcycle man, she better keep her -hmm. her eyes on the prize. Um, But I I think that... um, you know, that is like the maturity, right? Is that I realized there were just these incredible women, incredible women, and that being cheated on has absolutely nothing to do with them. And I've been so gaslit by men, so lied to by men about these women. And I, and I realized like, they're me, I'm them. We're, you're, you're the shit. You're the one who thinks like, that you need to go outside your relationship to get something for yourself. That, that, and I used to think, you know, I told you about my friend um, saying to me, go find out what, what you like about that person and go get it for yourself. Like, you don't have to, um, you know, if there's something in your relationship that's not firing you up or getting you excited, like, go get it for yourself. Go, wow. if, if you like that this other person, if you're like so, you know, crushing out on your professor or whatever, or this really smart guy you, saw, you met at a dinner party, like, go read more books. Go stimulate mm-hmm. yourself in all these other ways and then assess your relationship. You mm-hmm. know? It's like that Nico Case lyric, uh, I fucked every man that I wanted to be, yeah. uh, which is like a thing. It's definitely a thing. All right. I think we solved it. We figured it out. We figured out who cheats and why. And now <laughs> having everyone. listened to this, every everyone who is uh, disrespectful, I think, Michaela, to paraphrase you, disrespectful to themselves and disrespectful to their partners. If you see any disrespect whatsoever, just go live in a cabin in the woods. Um, if you see and, something, say, say something. something. And <laughs> the only way to be safe is uh, to listen to your gut and leave a cheater. It's not your fault if somebody cheats on you. And if you are a cheater, it is your fault. You know, it's not your, you can't blame anybody but yourself. Um, And we solved it. Now everybody is inoculated from cheating forever. (laughs) Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to, I think let's call an audible again. Let's do ladies choice sanity corner. I feel petty at the moment Mm. because I I feel like we've earned it. It's been a rough summer. (laughs) We've earned it. Okay. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. And welcome back. We have reached almost the end of the show where we talk about what is keeping us sane or what is driving us nuts. We contain multitudes here. Uh, But before we get to that, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Oh my gosh, there's a hundred days until the midterms. Is that a lot of time or a little time? Like when you read a hundred, what does that feel like? I don't know either. What is time? What is time? What is time? If I went to the microwave and I put 100 seconds on the microwave, I feel like I would be able to run all of my errands within that 100 seconds. Within the house? 100%. Yes, because microwaves slow down time, which we all know. But 100 days to midterms is actually not that much time in the real world. No. It's a sprint. It's a sprint to the finish line. We know just how high the stakes are. And on November 8th, we need to make sure our voices are heard and protected. Join Vote Save America's Midterm Madness program and take our Count Me In pledge to volunteer, including there's a July 31st weekend of action, which mm. is this weekend. It's hot. Where oh. are you going to do this from the comfort of online. your home? Online action. Yes. So get involved in the most important elections in 2022 at votesaveamerica.com slash midterms. You know what we care about, what we care about around here. We care about some reproductive justice. Reproductive justice is extremely important. And just because this isn't a blockbuster presidential election year with Mm -hmm. all the spectacle and, and pomp and circumstances, you know, it's not a presidential election year. It's a midterm year. But As we found out in the year of our Lord 2010, midterms can have long-lasting, really, really harmful consequences. And look, we have not really celebrated enough how much has been done in the House of Representatives. They have passed a lot of important legislation that has been stuck in the Senate because we do not have a real majority Mm -hmm. in the Senate. Mm -hmm. So we have to keep the majority in the House. And I mean, imagine if we lost it, that would fucking suck. Okay, so even if you are feeling less than happy about the way that the federal government has been working, motivate yourself by imagining Kevin McCarthy holding the gavel. What a awful nightmare. nightmare. Or Elise Stefanik, which... No, thank Please, you. Please, no, thank you. Keep that Leah Michelle energy away <laughs> from the gavel. We do not need it. Um, so votesaveamerica.com slash midterms is where you get involved. And please, 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 we need to get to the midterms, get a more Democratic Senate so that Joe Manchin is no longer the prime minister, so Mm -hmm. that uh, Nancy Pelosi gets to keep the gavel, and so that the vestiges of our democracy can be preserved for the future. Oh, that was good. Yes. Oh, new podcast, new crooked podcast, Another Russia. Love a new podcast. Another Russia is here. 
In 2015, Putin's number one public enemy and relentless critic Boris Nemtsov was shot and killed in front of the Kremlin, which very Putin. Very Putin. Very, very Putin, Putin vibes. In Another Russia, his daughter, journalist Jana Nemtsova, and co-host Ben Rhodes tell his story and explore the question, is another Russia possible? Listen to new episodes of Another Russia each Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, house has been kept. I'm going to start. We're calling audibles this week. Uh, I am going to go with something that combines Sanity Corner and I Feel Petty. Dr. Oz being absolutely murked by John Fetterman every time he attempts to tweet is just both petty and just like sanity saving for me. I love how unbelievably petty Fetterman has been about this New Jersey, Pennsylvania thing because it's actually not a petty issue. Like your senator should reside in the state where you live if they're your senator. Uh, Dr. Oz seems like a bad person and like he would probably be a, a bad senator. He's got bad ideas. Um, his career is due to the fact that he is a bit of a, a charlatan. Um, and so seeing John Fetterman just like drag him over and over again and see so many people on Twitter also join in, it is really, really just like a, a glimmer of brightness in my day. Every time I see Dr. Oz tweet, I'm like, oh, hell yeah. What's <laughs> what? Let's, I, I, I like open up the replies and I read them and it's all different versions of the same joke, but everyone is having such a good time. I love it. I will tag your I feel petty and say that my mom knows someone. Isn't this like the best form of gossip? My mom knows someone who said they worked with Dr. Oz and he smells bad. What? That's a great gossip. That yep. is so. There we go. And I'll go into my own I feel petty about another man who's pissing me off, Jim Harbaugh. Yes. Well, this is a man that I have loved since my childhood. He was a Colts um, quarterback. He led the Colts to the AFC championship game in the year of 1995. It was formative for me. Um, I hid in my bedroom afterwards when they lost to Josh's Pittsburgh Steelers. And (laughs) it really, like, I loved this man. There's a book called Let a Rip that my dad's friend wrote that sits on um, my bedside at my parents' house. He is now the coach uh, at Michigan, and he has come out with just the worst opinions on abortion, um, saying him and his wife will raise the child. Well, Jim, you're a full-time football coach, and that's not really what anyone's asking for, except maybe that would be a good reality show, that you (laughs) have to now raise all of the children that were going to be aborted. Um, Yeah, he's really, he's, he's broken my heart, and... Oh, it's just a bummer. It's a bummer. It's like one of those vintage jerseys that I would wear that now it's like, nope, can't anymore. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I just, the extent to which pregnancy and childbirth are just conveniently omitted from these people's adopt, oh, adopt, adopt, adopt. It's like, okay, but that's not the, a lot of people choose abortion because they don't want to go through the pregnancy thing or they can't go through the pregnancy thing. They don't want to give birth. They don't want to be pregnant for 10 months because it's 10 months. Yes. It's not nine months. It's 10 months. Someone yesterday goes, oh, your baby's three months. You're out of the fourth trimester. How do you feel? I said, like, I'm in the fucking fourth trimester still. <laughs> so it goes on and you can't adopt an ectopic pregnancy, Jim. So a lot of, lot of issues there. Let her rip. Nope. 
gotta gotta get rid gotta donate the book to Goodwill secondhand. Mm. Could you compost it so that other people aren't exposed to him? Yeah, I think I'll just have my mom bring it to her favorite store, Half Price Books, and <laughs> you know let some uh, Christian zealot pick it up for four ninety nine. Ugh. Yeah, well, I I gotta say the Notre Dame Michigan game is gonna be a real, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, a real uterus bowl this year. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, Michaela, are you sanity corner or I feel petty this week? I feel extremely petty, but a justified petty. Okay, um, always. As you know, we've had our uh, rights stripped away from us, um, ripped away like a child you were forced to have out of your uterus, and mm-hmm. we are spending, you know, I'm on these Zooms with a lot of women trying to form these letters, trying to do writing for ad campaigns, trying to blah, blah, blah. And it's a lot of women also trying to raise money for abortion funds, which is a really good, wonderful place to put money. And we're all like tasking ourselves with giving an uncomfortable amount of our <laughs> money away when there's already a pay parity issue, you know? So it's like time plus money plus like, you know, we're busy. Like these are busy ladies and we're all like spending so much more of our time that we don't really have when people should be, you know, parenting or or running their shows or doing whatever the hell else everybody does because we're busy people in this world. It, trying to claw back rights that have been taken away from us that we never asked to be taken away from us. You know, and I think this happens in all communities where rights are taken away, where it's just like, I don't even have the time or the, you know, necessarily as much money as the white men that are doing this. And yet here I am spending all this time that I didn't even ask for. So it feels like its own kind of, you know, I'm so mad about it. Like, I'm so resentful. And I think the sanity of it is that you go up to a man that is considers himself an ally and you say, mm. I know you're not used to this, but you're going to reach in your pocket deeper than you ever have. And you're going to give to the abortion fund because that's what I'm doing because I have to and you have to too now. And also, you're going to spend some time. You're going to spend some time when you'd rather be doing anything but sitting on a Zoom talking about this shit. You're going to do it too. Like, we need all hands on deck for everything. But, you know, we were there for gay rights. We're there for Black Lives Matter. And now you got to be there for women because we're 51% of this goddamn country. And yet we still don't seem to have a say over our own bodies. Mm -hmm. And so get your ass on the Zooms. Get your hand on your credit card and put, you know, put in the time and the money too. It's only fair. It's, and you know, don't say like you understand and you feel awful about it unless you're doing that too. Mm-hmm. There, that's my mm-hmm. rant. No, you're correct. You're, you're correct. absolutely 100% totally. correct. Um, Alyssa, you want to round us out today? Yeah, I think I have a bit of a sanity. So I think I've told you guys that during the summer, I do uh, aqua aerobics in my friend's pool. Well, we were doing aqua aerobics last week or the week before. 
And a police officer shows up and we're like, what is going on with a police officer at aqua aerobics? And he was there because one of the neighbors had called the cops on these horses that they thought were out in the sun without enough water or shade. And they wanted to know if we owned the horses, which we did not. But then my friend jumped out of the pool and was like, I know the person who owns the horses and they do have water, but you're wonderful for checking. So anyway, it was a nice community moment that made me feel like the world wasn't totally trash. You live in Mayberry. I do. I live yeah. in Walnut Grove. <laughs> Wait, is so there nice. is there like a trained uh, collie that'll run and let you know when somebody's in trouble? Name's Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Jack lives down the hill. Oh, our neighbors also have a bear cam, and so they will circulate the footage when they see bears. So we know not to. They'll be like, "Warning, Mama, seen without her cubs. Do not approach." And we're like. Thank you. I just appreciate <laughs> nature wildlife heads ups, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I wish that next door was just entirely wholesome and and yeah. devoid of the racism and weird like I saw a man in a hoodie walking down the street. It's like, Aaron, yeah. what was that website during COVID where they kept telling you there was people with machetes near your house? Oh, citizen. citizen yeah, because there were people with machetes. Near I know. House. That's so weird. Um, yeah. Echo Park is real machete, machete crime central. Um, and uh, yeah, Echo Park, Los Angeles, it's near where the Dodgers play. It's uh, there's it's a colorful area. Um, a lot, a lot of machetes. Um, there's, there was like been in, in my new neighborhood, a lot of people with like metal bars waving mm. around. It's like, I'm in, I moved from the machete district to the metal bars district. So, um, I'll keep you updated the next Please time do. I see. Please do. For sure. For sure. Um, that's all the time we have for this week. This was a really fun episode. Thank you to Betsy West and Julie Cohen for stopping by to talk about the new Gabby Giffords film. Thanks, Megan Gailey. Michaela Watkins, so good to see you again. Um, uh, I wish I saw you more often. You need to come I back more it. often. Yes, please. Yay. Uh, Alyssa, thank you, as always, for being my ride or die. I hope you feel better. Thank you. Um, your your scarf is wrapped around fewer times now. You look a it's, little bit— I got really hot. You oh. look a little bit less like a like a Dickensian uh, extra, like in a, oh. a Christmas— I look, let's, let's be honest. I look like Tiny Tim right now. <laughs> there is nothing but Tiny Tim vibes from this— uh, lofted <laughs> podcasting space. Well, God bless us, everyone. <laughs> everyone. And thank you, listeners, for sticking around to the end of the episode. If you like what you're hearing, rate us, review us. Uh, and there will be more hysteria for you next week. I am from another planet. This nation is our Janet. But these girls got a fan it. Y2K email and scan it. Don't take no for an answer. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. And Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis are the sound engineers. And our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroote. If you have kids or pets, you know stains and odors in your carpet and upholstery are inevitable. But the experts at ChemDry can help. ChemDry removes odors and stubborn stains by sending millions of carbonating bubbles deep within your carpet. ChemDry lifts dirt, urine, and stains to the surface to then be extracted away, giving you a cleaner and healthier home. 
Call 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com to connect with your local ChemDry and learn about special offers in your area. That's 1-800-CHEMDRY or visit ChemDry.com today. 